You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Packernet Podcast. Once again, I am your guest host, JJ Leahy. Check us out online at packernet.com. Follow me on Twitter at JJ Leahy. You know how after every single draft, teams are assigned grades by various members of the media, and it's all good fun. You know, it's kind of silly, but who cares? Conventional football wisdom says we need to give players three years to develop before you can actually determine if it was a good draft, if it was a good draft pick. Now, at the time, I really loved the 2019 draft. I didn't love the 2020 draft as it was happening, but by the time you know the football season had started, I had really come around to most of our picks. And funny enough, some of the guys that I was not super high on, um, even at that point, which would include Kamal Martin and Vernon Scott, ended up being guys that showed a lot of promise, I think really can carve out long-term roles on this team. The 2021 draft has been wildly popular with fans, and those three drafts are going to be a big part of the team's future. But the 2018 draft is the newest one that we really can evaluate and say whether it has aged well. And I I had a question going through my mind, and it was kind of spurred on by somebody else redrafting 2018 for the Packers. Uh, Different podcaster. I like the guy. I thought his redraft was absolutely horrific. Uh, I could not understand the logic that went into any of his new picks. Kind of got my wheels turning. I thought, man, it'd be fun to do a redraft of those teams, you know, the 2018, heck, 2017. And the more I thought about it, I went back 2015 through 2018. Those four drafts, I think, are supposed to be the backbone of what this team is right now. And not all of those drafts were great. 2015, none of the players drafted finished out their first contract with the team. They were all gone by the time their first contract expired. Not only did we not re-sign anybody to a second contract, we we had cut or traded away every single player uh, before that. Um, actually, looking at these guys, I'm not even sure we traded any of them. I think they all got cut. Now, you know what? Demarius Randall, we traded to the Browns for Deshaun Kaiser. Okay, so one guy got traded. Everybody else got cut. And I think this 2015 draft was a big part of why we ended up really being in a bad spot by the time 2018 had rolled around. And even the 2019 roster was lacking considerably. And I I think a big part of it has, has to do not necessarily with, oh, the guys we drafted in 2015 didn't pan out. But they kind of didn't pan out right away, and so we had to keep taking repeated swings at those positions over and over again, and that left us with some other holes. As I was going through and and reminding myself what were the draft needs each year, 
And I was reading some articles written at the time about, you know, what positions are needed. You saw over and over and over again, every single year, man, the Packers really need some help at edge rusher. They got to do something. Clay Matthews is not getting it done on his own. Either get Clay some help or replace Clay. And you look at the beginning of the 2019 season when they finally signed Preston and Zadarius, which was awesome, but it was pretty late. There had been no pass rush in Green Bay for years at that point. I had a blast redrafting these four years, and I think you will enjoy going through this with me. And I want to state up front, I did not do this with the intent of making any sort of point. But there's two reasons why I think this exercise is worth going through. Number one, it's just fun. I mean, you sit around a lot of the time and think about this kind of thing anyways. Does it not sound fun to go back and look at what could have been if you were, you know, omniscient and knew how players were going to turn out? But I also noticed that where I would end up taking guys was way earlier than where they actually end up going. And you're taking guys sometimes three or four rounds earlier than where they went in real life. And you hear a lot of complaints every year. I mean, even this year with Eric Stokes, fans or media members will say, oh, that was, you know, that was such a reach. He was, uh, you know, shouldn't have gone in the in the first round. He's like a late second guy. Let me toss out three names to you real quick from the 2015 draft. Daniil Hunter, Zadarius Smith, and Stephon Diggs. Would you, in hindsight, be mad if any one of those three guys was a first-round pick in 2015? No. Looking back, that's obviously where you think they should have gone. The earliest that any of those three guys was drafted was late third. Zadarius was taken late fourth, and Diggs went in the fifth round. At the time, though, the media and fans would have lost their minds. Oh, man. Packers are reaching for these guys nobody's ever heard of. They were projected to go in the in the fourth round, the fifth round. They're taking them in the first round. That's ridiculous. So this was nice for me. I'm, I'm not trying to make a point. I'm not trying to call anybody silly. I'm trying to share with you the fun little revelation that I had looking at these and going, man, you could take an entire draft class out of just guys that ended up being hits in the 4th, 5th, 6th, 7th rounds and have one of the best drafts of all time. And nobody, including me, would like any of the picks at the time. In 2015, we started off with 9 picks. We had 2 compensatory picks in the 6th round. We were picking at number 30 in the first round. Something that's interesting when I went through all four of these years is how different the spread of talent ended up being. Some of the drafts were really heavy early on. You know, if you go through who ended up being a really good draft pick, most of them are first and second rounders. There's a couple drafts where it was all kind of later guys in the first one, first rounders, uh, the day one and two picks just were not worth where they were being taken. And one of the marks of the 2015 draft class, I'm not just talking about 
the Packers. I'm talking about the NFL in general. This was a pretty terrible draft class. It was kind of hard to find guys after the Packers pick at 30 in the first round. Throughout the entirety of the rest of the seven rounds of the draft that were really worth taking. Now, prior to the Packers' first round pick, there were some good guys. Let's start off with, uh, you know, first two picks were both quarterbacks, Jameis Winston and Marcus Mariota. No, thank you. Dante Fowler was taken by Jacksonville. Then you get Amari Cooper, probably the first player here off the board that I would really want. Uh, Leonard Williams was taken by the Jets. He has had several good years. He's a pretty good player. Eric Flowers was taken by the Giants. Meh. Uh, All the way down at pick number 10, the Rams took Todd Gurley. Short but very uh, incredible career. I mean, he's still in the league, so his career isn't over. But the incredible part of his career seems to be over. Danny Shelton was taken by Cleveland. At 12, Melvin Gordon was taken at pick 15 by the Chargers. However, pro football reference (laughs) says he was taken by the San Diego Giants, not the San Diego Chargers. Eric Armstead was taken by San Francisco at 17. Pittsburgh took Bud Dupree at 22. This is the next one after Amari Cooper that... uh, Really excites me. Bud Dupree is still playing at a very high level. DJ Humphreys went to Arizona at pick 24. Brashad Perriman, certainly not worth a first-round pick, but an interesting player nonetheless, taken by Baltimore at 26. Byron Jones went to Dallas at 27. The Packers are on the clock at 30, and they take Demarius Randall. Now, Randall was a safety in college, but... Green Bay drafted him, intending from day one to play him at cornerback. And you'll see a massive theme over these four drafts is going to be cornerback, 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 cornerback everywhere. Demarius Randall would certainly not be drafted again in our redraft. In fact, none of the 2015 picks are going to make it. I contemplated trading up for Byron Jones, but I think... For purposes of the exercise, I am not going to be trading up for anybody unless the trade happened in real life and we choose to just keep that trade in place. So Byron Jones is off the board at pick 30, and I have a decision to make. Here are the draft needs that uh, fanalists thought the team had leading up to the draft. Number one, inside linebacker. Well, zero inside linebackers end up being taken by the Packers. Next was defensive tackle, tight end, cornerback, offensive tackle, center, wide receiver, outside linebacker, running back, safety, and cornerback. That's nearly every position on the team. Two of these kind of stick out to me, tackle and center. Well, we had David Bakhtiari and Corey Lindsley. They were both showing signs of being awesome, but they were also both uh, pretty young and new to the team and unproven. And writers at that point thought that we still needed help with those positions. Obviously, I'm taking those. Oh, and and, uh, Brian Balaga as well. I'm taking those positions off of the needs here because we know how those positions turned out. 
in contrast to that, uh, we had a, a pretty severe need at guard. TJ Lang would go on to play one more season for the Packers after 2015, but this was Josh Sitton's last year with the team. Inside linebacker remains the biggest need on this team, outside of a corner. And I debated how to handle looking ahead to future years. Because I I don't want to say, well, here's how history would be different if I could rewrite all four years of the draft. I think it's more interesting to just limit myself to the ability to, let's just change one year at a time. Okay, in this scenario, I can only redo the 2015 draft. And that will have... Uh, you know, a big impact on future drafts. Uh, looking at the 2016 draft, we are going to take some swings at linebacker. And ultimately, I'm not massively a fan of how that turned out. So in 2015, I have the opportunity here to not ignore the inside linebacker need and take Eric Kendricks off the board. Eric Kendricks has played some quality football for the Minnesota Vikings, which is another reason to take him here because it hurts a rival. Kendricks ended up going in the middle of the second round. He would not have been there by our second pick, so this is, by definition, not a reach. If we want Kendricks, we have to take him with our first pick. As it happens, the only other guy in between our two picks that I would consider at all is actually another inside linebacker. And that would be Mr. Benardrick McKinney, who was taken by Houston. McKinney is kind of loved by some metrics, not so much by PFF. And to be honest, given the choice between McKinney and Kendricks, it's not even much of a competition. And you have the added benefit of hurting Minnesota. So the only reason not to take Kendricks here is if I want to go ahead and start reaching on some later guys because... The second and third round have quite a few pretty talented picks. If I take Kendricks here, that limits me with my second pick, which is number 62, to taking only one of Tyler Lockett, David Johnson, and Daniil Hunter. So do I want to take a stab at inside linebacker here, or do I want to take Tyler Lockett? and leave Daniil Hunter for my third-round pick. Nothing against David Johnson, but his career also was pretty short. He's a running back. Uh, Tyler Laka and Daniil Hunter are both still major factors in the league. David Johnson, not so much anymore by 2021. But at the same time, we are heading into an era in Green Bay with just horrific defenses. I think when it comes to Kendricks versus Lockett, this one's a little bit of a a toss-up because of the positional need here. Wide receiver, we we have we've had guys there. At this point in time, we still have Jordy Nelson. Uh Devontae Adams is on the team already. We still have Randall Cobb. Inside linebacker is a consistently gaping hole. I'm kind of playing devil's advocate here. You know I'm going to take Tyler Lockett, but Eric Kendricks is really, really tempting. So with our first pick in the draft, at pick number 30, we are reaching all the way to a guy who fell um, after our second pick, actually, at 69, Tyler Lockett. 
How can you not? He's a top 10 wide receiver in the league. Certainly not much of a positional need, but you can't pass up on that kind of talent when you have the opportunity. Next up, we are going to go ahead and take a guy who fell late in the third round, and that is Daniil Hunter. He's going to be our second round pick. So we get to hurt Minnesota anyways. With our third round pick, we're going to reach on a developmental guy, and this is going to be an interesting one because I'm not sure how his career is going to turn out since he's not going to get drafted by the Baltimore Ravens and have the experience that he did there. I'm talking about Zadarius Smith. We just took a D-end. We're taking a second D-end. In 2015, it's not a position of need. We are taking best player available. In a different year, this is not the pick I would take. I wouldn't go back-to-back D-ends here uh, in a year when D-end is not one of our big needs because... In a different year, there would be other players that I'd be interested in taking, and there's just not in 2015. The talent in the entire draft is so terrible. None of the guys that are, you know, quote-unquote positions of need are guys I even really want to spend a draft pick on. So far, we have been unable to fix our cornerback problem. By this point, we had already taken two cornerbacks, Demarius Randall and Quentin Rollins. I don't hear anybody weeping over not drafting those guys instead of Daniil Hunter and Zedarius Smith. Our third pick uh, in the draft, which in uh, in our redraft turned into Zedarius Smith, was Ty Montgomery. Fourth round pick was Jake Ryan, outside linebacker. Now, just before our fourth round pick in this draft, uh, Quan Alexander was taken at 124. We pick at 129. So I have a decision to make here. Do I go ahead and take nose tackle Grady Jarrett, who has been pretty good for Atlanta? In 2015, he had a 76 PFF grade. In 2016, he regressed significantly and went back to 62. 2017, he leapfrogged all the way up to 85.5, but his run defense went through the roof at 90.1. In 2018, come on, PFF, load for me. 90.4 overall grade. His pass rush jumped up to 86.7. His run defense stayed very high at 84.8. In 2019, he continued to climb 90.1 overall grade. Uh, His pass rush continues to go up. His run defense continues to go down slightly. And then in 2020, His first sort of down year, but still a very good year, 80.2. His run defense Dropped all the way to 66.2. His pass rush still stayed high at 83.3. Keep in mind, though, Atlanta's defense in, you know, at every level was horrific in 2020. So I don't love to see his grades going down, but he was also surrounded by nobody. And it was a tumultuous season going on anyways. You knew Dan Quinn was getting fired. Most of the coaches knew they were probably getting fired. If I don't take Grady Jarrett, I would be taking Stefan Diggs, who ended up going at 146. Now, both these guys would be fantastic grabs for us, but we just took Tyler Lockett, and we have Devontae Adams on the roster, and Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobb are both here. Now, we did just take two defensive ends, and Mike Daniels is still on the team. But outside of those guys at defensive tackle, you got Dayton Jones and Josh Boyd. Uh, BJ Raji is a big question mark. He was placed on injured reserve in the preseason. It is a contract year for him. 
that does leave one other guy, Latroy Guyon. Here's an article talking about uh, the defensive tackle need. Guyon gives great effort, but at times is outmatched by more athletic offensive linemen. He has exceeded expectations, demonstrating ability as an interior pass rusher. He should be re-signed and back in Green Bay after this season. It's our big story at five. Packers defensive tackle Latroit Guyon arrested in Florida on felony drug and weapons charges. Uh, we are taking Grady Jarrett. Next, we have a conundrum. We made a trade. We traded away our fifth round pick and our seventh round pick to move up in the fifth round again. The new pick we acquired is number 147. We moved up from 166. Uh, we did have to give up our seventh round pick. And with that pick, we moved up to take quarterback Brett Hundley. Let's take a trip down memory lane and read a little blurb about him right after he was taken. Here's Elliot Wolf. We like the player. Value was there. Real excited about him. He's got rare athletic ability. Big hands, strong arm, smart. Good in our interview at the Combine. I wouldn't say he's completely developed. Their spread offense, speaking of uh, UCLA, is obviously different than ours, but you can see all the big throws. His Wonderlick score is 26. Now, it says Hunley had hopes of going in the first round. This is Brett Hunley talking. Yeah, I wanted to be the number one pick. I had an expectation to go maybe first day. I did believe I'd be taken off the board in the second day. To see quarterback after quarterback taken, it really puts a chip on your shoulder. I'm ready to work. I love football. It's who I am. What's bred inside of me. I like knowledge. Green Bay is the perfect place for me to learn football. I feel I have a tremendous upside. Here's some quotes from some anonymous scouts. One guy says, he's going to be a bust. His shortcoming is accuracy. He's one of those guys who seems to lock in right away. I just don't see it. I'm glad we have a quarterback better than him. I wouldn't take him until the fourth round, which he ended up going in the fifth. Uh, here's one from an AFC scout. He's a running back playing quarterback, okay? He can't hit the broad side of a barn. Who's got time for that? Maybe you take a chance, sit him, develop him, develop him if you like the kid from a mental standpoint. Different scout had a totally opposite opinion. Of the top five guys who threw, Hunley had the best pro day. He's everything. Smart enough. That's a nice little tagline to tack at the end there. Here's somebody else. Got a strong arm. I think he's being underlooked. Underlooked? I've heard of overlooked. What's underlooked? It wouldn't be surprising if he had a better career than both Jameis Winston and Marcus Mariota. Well, all right, that's a pretty low bar to set. He's got a little bit of inaccuracy sometimes, but hey, he's probably as pro-ready as Mariota. I, I just can't even believe what a terrible quarterback class uh, 2015 was. Zero uh, quality quarterbacks in that draft. Jameis Winston is the best, and we all know what Jameis Winston is. NFC scout says he's talented but lacks great instincts. A different NFC scout. He's really inaccurate. Doesn't see the whole field. We'll read one more before we go on. Actually, <laughs> I just missed this other one. Here we go. <laughs> First, we'll start off with uh, the ability's there. I wonder about his consistency of accuracy and how coachable this guy is. Just when you think this guy really has the game in hand, he does something really dumb. I just don't know if he can overcome himself, you know? And then this is the one that cracks me up. This is an AFC scout. He'll be there at 30, but Green Bay won't pick him. 
He'll be the fourth quarterback to go. If Green Bay took him there, it would be a huge mistake. I don't think he can mentally process. Now, granted, they didn't take him at 30. They took him in the fifth round. And to do so, they gave up their seventh round pick, which was very late in the draft, uh, of course. And there was nobody worth taking uh, at that point. So I'm going to go ahead and keep the trade. We are going to move up to pick 147. We will not be taking Brett Hundley. We will be taking cornerback Quandre Diggs. Quandre Diggs is easily better than Demarius Randall or Quentin Rollins. Uh, does not solve the cornerback problem that we had, but there was nobody else that we could have gone after uh, since I was not going to trade up for Byron Jones. Now, what we have left in this draft are our three sixth round picks, and I just I don't like hardly any of the guys left in the draft. I cannot come up with three guys left that I want to take. There's one sixth round player and one seventh round player that I want, and the sixth round player went at 204. Our earliest sixth round pick is 206. So here's what I can do. I can either just take only the seventh round guy and throw my other two six-round picks away. Or I can bend the rules of this uh, exercise just a little bit. We're moving up two picks from 206 to 204. We're going to throw away our other sixth-round pick. Uh, doesn't really matter. We've got pick 210 and 213. Since the guy that we're going to take after this is in the seventh round, I'll, I'll go ahead and, and throw away the uh, better of the two sixth-round picks just to guarantee that uh, we can move up to 204 or earlier, and we're going to be taking Darren Waller. Now, I wasn't following Waller's early NFL career. Obviously, right now, he is one of the best tight ends in the NFL, but I panicked a little bit thinking that I had the wrong Darren Waller because he was a wide receiver in college and he was taken by the Baltimore Ravens. This is the same guy who currently plays tight end for the Raiders. This is who we're taking with our, uh, our first six-round pick. And after that, we are going to reach into the seventh round for guard Trent Brown, who has played a lot of quality football. He has bounced around to a lot of different teams. He was drafted first by San Francisco. Then he played for the Patriots. Then he was a Raider uh, for two years, and he is currently a Patriot again. He's a seventh round pick. You're going to get uh, quality starting snaps from him at guard in the NFL. And for a seventh round pick, you can't ask for anything better than that. Here's our final draft. Tyler Lockett, Daniil Hunter, Zadarius Smith, Grady Jarrett, Quandre Diggs, Darren Waller, and Trent Brown. I think every single one of these guys, uh, you know, as long as they're able to develop at the same rate that they did in real life, are going to make it to their second contract, which is a uh, massive difference from <laughs> the situation we find ourselves in. Uh, in real life with the disastrous 2015 draft but this was a lot of fun I feel a lot better about this and I think you would say this is you know one of the one of the best drafts of all time but of course we were cheating because we had the power of hindsight so we have three more uh, draft years to go through but we're going to go ahead and take our first break right here and I'll be right back in the hobby it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks we get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view 
on all possible cards and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. The 2016 draft in real life went much better, both for the Packers and for the NFL as a whole. In this scenario, we did not redo the 2015 draft. All right? We can still look ahead to uh, failures on the roster and look at you know what we're still needs a year from now when we are drafting in 2017. But in this scenario, we don't have Daniil Hunter and Zedaria Smith. This was yet again a year with uh, a few trades. We started off with pick number 27 in the first round. We also moved up in the second round to take Jason Spriggs. We moved up from pick 57 to pick 48. It cost us our fourth round pick and our seventh round pick. But our first round pick, of course, was Kenny Clark. Question is, do we still want that to be our first round pick this time around? The answer might surprise you. Love Kenny. However, there are some other players available. Now, we definitely, definitely need defensive tackle help. But prior to our second round pick, and in fact, prior to the pick we traded up into, was Jalen Smith, outside linebacker, Chris Jones, defensive tackle, and Xavier Howard, and running back Derrick Henry. But cornerback has been a massive problem for the Packers at this point. Uh, We took uh, Demarius Randall and Quentin Rollins last year. Obviously, neither of those guys ended up panning out. So... I'm kind of stuck. Do we take Kenny Clark? Do we take Chris Jones, who has had um, his highs have been very similar to Kenny's highs, but his lows have not been as low. Chris Jones, I would say, is the better player between the two, although I love Kenny. Or do you go Xavier Howard? This is a tough one. So which is the more important position, cornerback or a defensive tackle? Well, let's follow the money. So here are the average yearly salaries of the top defensive tackles in the league. Aaron Donald, of course, comes in at number one with $22.5 million uh, every year. Leonard Williams makes $21 million. DeForest Buckner, also $21. 
Chris Jones, 20. Kenny Clark, 17 and a half. Fletcher Cox, 17, 1. Grady Jarrett, 17. Cam Hayward, 16, 4. JJ Watt, 14. And DJ Reader, 13 and a quarter. And uh, Javon Hargrave comes in at 13 mil. Let's compare that to cornerbacks. Start out with Jalen Ramsey makes 20,000. I'm sorry, 20,000, 20 million. So the high end is still pretty high. Marlon Humphrey makes 19.5. Tredavious White, 17 and a quarter. Darius Slay, 16.6. Byron Jones, 16 and a half. Xavier Howard, 15. James Bradbury, 14 and a half. Trey Waynes, 14. Marcus Peters, 14. William Jackson, 13 and a half. Shaquille Griffin, 13.3. So the numbers are very similar. Uh, the defensive tackles do make more money. And remember, if our 2015 redraft had actually happened, we would not need a defensive tackle. We would have Grady Jarrett. However, one thing that's really nice here is we can actually see uh, which position that this draft class is deeper at. Uh, looking over the course of the rest of the guys who are worth taking, you have two corners. Uh, James Bradbury, where is James Bradbury? Here, he was taken uh, at the end of the second round, right almost exactly where uh, our second round pick is. And then you have Anthony Brown, who was taken by Dallas in the sixth round. That's not great depth at all. Contrast that with Javon Hargrave was taken at the end of the third round. I would be totally fine with having Javon Hargrave and a competent corner over taking Chris Jones and trying to lean on, um, you know, these guys, where they go, James Bradbury and uh, Anthony Brown. I'd rather take, have Xavier Howard and Javon Hargrave easily a better situation. So our first pick, we are going to reach all the way down for Xavier Howard, who went very early in the second round in real life. Totally a fine first round pick. Uh, he's always spoken of in the same breath as Jair. This is a fantastic value. And we have to decide, do we want to go ahead and trade up into that second round pick at 48 instead of sitting at 57? Well, 48 means we just barely miss out on Derrick Henry at 45 and Michael Thomas at 47. So our options in between 48 and 57 are Deion Jones, linebacker for Atlanta, or Tyler Boyd, wide receiver Cincinnati, or Cody Whitehair. Uh, Cody Whitehair is a... Oh, a fine guard. I believe he's playing center for the Bears now. Not a position of need. Um, not taking Deion Jones or Tyler Boyd here because it would mean giving up our a fourth round pick. And there are a lot of guys available after the uh, third round. Not worth it to me. Uh, plus, there is actually a guy that I'm interested in taking with that seventh round pick that we also gave up. So, uh, this trade does not happen. We stick at uh, pick 57. So at 57, we could take James Bradbury. We don't need to. We just took Xavier Howard. You, do, you could take uh, Yannick Ngakwe. You could take Kenyon Drake. Or you could take Joe Thune. 
let's run over what our needs were again for this season. So the projected needs ahead of the draft were tackle, inside linebacker, tight end, defensive tackle, outside linebacker, D-end, and quarterback. The positions that Ted Thompson ended up drafting were defensive tackle, offensive tackle, outside linebacker, inside linebacker, D-end, wide receiver, and tackle. This actually is one of the years where the positions we took ended up mirroring pretty closely with the projected needs. Wide receiver was not projected to be a need, but we took one. Uh, but it's you know this is Trevor Davis, kind of a, a special teamer. Uh, projected that we would need a quarterback, and we did not take one. But we hit every other position, with the exception of tight end, which was admittedly pretty high on the list. It was ranked as the third most urgent need for the Packers. I'm not going to take Yannick. I don't think Yannick is a bad player. Uh, but there are other DNs in this draft that are later on that we could take swings at if we wanted to. Uh, Yannick is fine, but I'm going to go ahead and take a different player. Here are the guys we have to choose from between where we uh, currently sit and when our, we're next on the clock. You got James Bradbury, Kevin Byard, Yannick Ngakwe, Kenyon Drake, Joe Thuney, and Austin Hooper, one of the best tight ends in the league, uh, certainly one of the most productive. Austin Hooper, I think, would be pretty game-changing for this offense. Uh, I, I like all the guys that I just mentioned here, but Austin Hooper is definitely the guy that I would pick. Maybe you would take somebody different. Hooper is the clear favorite for me. Uh, tight end just for forever. I mean, really up until uh, about the 2019 and 2020 seasons, tight end was just a horrific position of need uh, for the Packers. Austin Hooper gets us started down the road of turning that around uh, ahead of time. We probably don't need to go out in free agency and get Jimmy Graham. With our third round pick, we're going to take Javon Hargrave. Mentioned him earlier. Now, in real life, we had taken Kenny Clark and Jason Spriggs with the first two picks. This third round pick that we are instead taking Javon Hargrave with was actually Kyler Fackrell. So we went from Kenny Clark to Xavier Howard. I would say that's pretty good trade there. Uh, I, I don't. I don't think you're mad about either one of those picks. Uh, relatively similar value, but with our second and third round picks, we have massively upgraded. Our fourth round pick, we took Blake Martinez at 131, and this is a tough one because Blake is a really good linebacker, and he had some really good seasons in Green Bay. He was. I think we can all agree really mismanaged uh, by Mike Pettin. Uh He was actually uh, not half bad under Dom Capers, which is the funny part. You know what? I misspoke. Uh, the next time we're on the clock is actually a pick that we traded away in real life. And then we took uh, Blake Martinez. But this pick that we now have because we did not trade it away to move up and grab Spriggs is pick 125 in the fourth round and I'm going to go ahead and reach a little bit for a guy at a position we did not take but was a need and sort of was only a need in hindsight because of how bad uh, Brett Hundley ended up being but Dak Prescott is on the board here I'm not passing up Dak Prescott I don't care that we have Aaron Rodgers we can have Aaron and Dak on the team we'll figure it out I'm not mad about having two quality quarterbacks and Dak was not um, I think expected to be a starter anyways. I mean, he, he fell all the way to the friggin' fourth round. Let's just see what we can do with it. I'm, I'm not passing up on that value. Worst comes to worst, you develop him and trade him. 
I'm not mad about it. So at 131, we can stick with Blake Martinez, or we can reach a little bit, but we are back on the clock again really quick. Uh, Six picks later, we'll have our third, fourth round pick. So guys available here are Blake Martinez, Matthew Judon, and Jordan Howard. Of those three guys, one of them is going to be Blake Martinez for me. However, there is a guy who's going to go off the board right before our fifth round pick, and that is Tyreek Hill. So I'm sorry, Blake, you get the axe here. We're going to take uh, Matthew Judon and Tyreek Hill right here. So Judon went in the fifth round at 146. We are reaching for him a bit here and taking him at 131 in the fourth round. This is a compensatory pick. And then we are on the clock again six picks later at 137, and we are taking Tyreek Hill. We still have managed to shore up uh, getting some cornerback help. We have a defensive tackle. Now we're adding a defensive end instead of uh, taking Dean Lowry. So Dean Lowry we took at 137. This time we're taking Tyreek at 137, but we took Matthew Judon with the Blake Martinez pick. We're adding new talent at tight end and quarterback that was not addressed in the draft in real life. And instead of uh, taking Trevor Davis later, we're taking Tyreek. And of course, Tyreek is going to do fine on special teams and obviously eventually become a big part of the offense for us. With our fifth round pick at 163, we are going to be taking cornerback Anthony Brown. Um, he's He's fine. Definitely been trending in the wrong direction lately, but we did need more cornerback help here. He's uh, suitable depth, and the end of this draft is just not really great. Uh, our other options were Wes Schweitzer, a guard uh, for Atlanta, and linebacker Elandon Roberts, just absolutely horrific. And at the same time, those two guys are better than anybody else who was taken around there. So Anthony Brown is the guy here. Uh, maybe he ends up doing a little bit better at cornerback, getting to work with uh, you know the guys that we have here instead of being shipped off to Dallas. If nothing else, he can be a special teamer, and you can't ask for much more of that out of a sixth-round pick when in this year there's just nobody good being taken in the last couple rounds. So Anthony Brown at with our, uh, our fifth-round pick here. I believe I said sixth-round pick a second ago, but I meant fifth. Which is just crazy that this year, in 2016, the draft petered out <laughs> after the fourth round. Uh, you did have Jordan Howard, who was taken at 150 in round five, but yeah, that, he's off the board before we're on the clock, so we're taking Anthony Brown. Then, with our sixth round pick at 200, we're reaching for a guy who was taken in the seventh round, and that is Stephen Weatherly, from, who went to Minnesota. Outside linebacker, we're doing him instead of Kyler Fackrell. Uh, in total, we have not dressed inside linebacker in this draft because we're not taking Blake Martinez, and it sucks a little bit, but I like the other positions that we got. We can go out in free agency and find a linebacker. With our final pick, the seventh-round pick, we're taking Austin Blythe, center from Indianapolis. In total, what we gave up in real life to move up and take Jason Spriggs could have gotten us Austin Hooper, Dak Prescott and center Austin Blythe. Not worth it for Jason Spriggs. Sorry. 
2017 is really easy. We take all of our picks, trade them, move up and take Pat Mahomes. Obviously, we're not doing that. Uh, Still, our first pick is very easy. Instead of trading away pick 29 to move back into the second round and acquire more picks, we're taking TJ Watt. Next up with our second round pick, we are not taking safety Josh Jones. Now, 2017, uh, Ted Thompson moved around a ton. He got a bunch of additional picks. He spent them on good players. We're going to have far fewer picks this year. Instead of 10, we're only going to have eight. With our second round pick, we are going to, uh, by taking TJ Watt, we missed out on Buda Baker, Dalvin Cook. Uh, we are fine with that. With our second pick, we're taking one of the following players. Juju Smith-Schuster, Alvin Kamara, Chris Godwin, Kareem Hunt, and Shaquille Griffin. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and rule out Shaquille Griffin. We have two fantastic running backs to choose from here in Alvin Kamara and Kareem Hunt. Um, Hindsight tells us that Kamara has a higher character. Uh, Chris Godwin is one of the best wide receivers in the league. Juju Smith-Schuster is there as well. I would certainly take Godwin over Juju. So do we want Godwin or Kamara? Well, this is the year that we ended up taking Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones. So there's plenty of running back depth in this draft. However, there's also some really good wide receivers coming down the line here. I'm going to go ahead and actually take Alvin Kamara here, which might surprise you. We're going to let Chris Godwin go. We're taking uh, TJ Watt, then Alvin Kamara. And with our third pick, we're taking Kenny Galladay. So after this, in real life, we took Vince Beagle with a pick that no longer exists in uh, our simulation because we did not make any trades. Then we took Jamal Williams with pick 134. And this time with 134, we're taking George Kittle. In real life, our next pick was D'Angelo Yancey with pick 175, uh, which we are not trading for. And our pick is instead at 172. And this is going to be Aaron Jones which frees us up to spend the pick that we took Aaron Jones with in real life on Xavier Woods. Now, he played safety in college, uh, then got converted to cornerback in the NFL, was not great in Minnesota, but has been fine since he left Minnesota. He was one of the better cornerbacks in the league last year. I'll leave it up to the coaches in Green Bay, whether you keep him at safety or put him at cornerback. At pick 212 in the sixth round, instead of taking uh, this guy, I don't even remember this guy uh, at all, Kofi Amachia. Literally do not rec- remember this guy existing. He's a center. Instead of him, I debated taking Ifedi Odenigbo uh, because he is kind of a big-name guy. Dug into him a bit. I'm not really thrilled with him as a player. And there's another guy sitting there uh, just a few picks later, Harrison Butker. This would give us some flexibility. Butker is as good as Mason Crosby. Butker is one of the one of the best kickers in the league. You get the option to move on to a rookie and save some cap space with Mason Crosby, as well as have a much younger player. Love Mason, but it's just a no-brainer to move on to a guy who uh, is as good and is much younger. And our seventh-round pick is actually going to be a third running back. We're going to take Chris Carson, um, who has struggled a bit to stay healthy in Seattle, but uh, he he plays extremely well. And with Alvin Kamara, Aaron Jones, and Chris Carson, uh, this actually ended up being a very 
offensive heavy draft. We did take TJ Watt. We took Xavier Woods and then uh, on special teams, we took Harrison Bucker. Everybody else was on offense, which is fine. I think this is going to be a really solid draft that will shore up the offense for a long time. Um, You may not be able to keep Aaron Jones and Alvin Kamara, um, you know, after after their rookie contracts are up, but that's okay. You're going to get a lot of production out of them for four years working together. So the final draft class for 2017 is TJ Watt, Alvin Kamara, Kenny Galladay, George Kittle, Aaron Jones, Xavier Woods, Harrison Bucker, and Chris Carson. If the defense can keep up and they do have TJ Watt, this offense is going to be absolutely lethal. I'm going to do one more quick break, and then we will wrap this up with 2018. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. 2018 was Brian Gutekind's first draft. The needs heading into the draft were projected to be edge for like the fifth year in a row, D end, cornerback, cornerback, wide receiver, wide receiver. In real life, they did take two corners and uh, three wide receivers. Now, Goodigans had only been the general manager for like a month at this point. In retrospect, it's really impressive how many hits he got in this draft, especially considering that his first pick was Jair Alexander. Something of note, this draft class was really hard for me to uh, keep track of on paper here because of all the trades that were made. So we started out owning pick 14 in the first round. We then traded back to 27 and then traded up to 18. Now, one year later, uh, Packer Report on 247sports.com wrote that in their redraft, instead of taking Jair Alexander, the Packers would take Roquan Smith. They are on crack over there. We're not doing that. But here's the, there were three trades made. The Packers traded pick 14 and their sixth round pick for pick uh, 27 in the first round uh Yeah, in the first round, uh, a fifth round pick and the Saints first round pick in 2019. We are going to go ahead and keep that in place. But just for fun, let's take a look at what we could have done with pick 14. With pick 14, we could have taken tackle Colton Miller, safety Derwin James, or uh, Jair Alexander, Leighton Vander Esch, Frank Ragnow. That is it. Nobody else was taken in between those picks. That is worth it. Uh, We're definitely trading back to 27. No question about it. That extra first round pick in 2018 is massively important. And obviously we ended up drafting Darnell Savage with that. Second trade we made was with the Seahawks. We traded away that uh, number 27 pick that we just got from New Orleans. We traded that and a third round pick to the Seahawks for pick 18 and a seventh round pick. Definitely worth it. Um, There are some good guys available at 27, but I'm not passing up on Jair Alexander. 
So we are going to leave that trade in place as well. Then we traded our fourth round pick and a fifth round pick. Let me see here. That fifth round pick was the one we got from the Saints. We traded both of those to the Panthers and moved up and into the third round a little bit higher and took Oren Burks at pick 88. Not only are we not going to take Oren Burks, we are also not going to move up into the third round. Where we did, um, the strength of this draft class is unquestionably in the first two rounds. So in the first two rounds, we have, let's see here, of the guys that I sorted that were worth taking, there were 14 players. After the second round, there were a total of nine players that I felt were worth drafting. So we're not going to do that trade. Uh, it does not move us up into position to take anybody that I would care to take. If we moved from 88 up to 83 instead, Orlando Brown, tackle for Baltimore, is available. Uh, totally gr a great player and worth it. But I don't have a way of getting up into 83 because I'm not inventing trades that didn't actually happen. I'm just yaying or naying trades that actually happen in real life. So first our first pick is going to go ahead and still be Jair Alexander. We're going to take him at 18. Then our next time we're on the clock is at uh, pick 45. This is in the second round. And our options are, we just barely missed out on Cortland Sutton and Mike Kosicki, but Anthony Miller is on the board, Jesse Bates, safety for Cincinnati, DJ Chark, trying to make sure that I am keeping track of our picks, because the next time we are on the clock is pick 101 in the fourth round. This is definitely where the... Uh, redraft that I listened to on the other podcast started to go off the rails because uh, in that one, they took Anthony Miller, which means we're passing up on Jesse Bates, uh, DJ Chark. Don't care about him. Brian O'Neill tackle for Minnesota safety. Justin Reed linebacker, Fred Warner, um, Michael Gallup, and also tackle Orlando Brown. Now, there were a couple players that I guess I should have mentioned that we passed up in favor of Jair Alexander. We did pass up center Frank Ragnow, but we have Corey Lindsley. We passed up Lamar Jackson, but we have Aaron Rodgers. We passed up Nick Chubb, which is hard to stomach, but I'm definitely taking a star corner over a running back. We passed up Darius Leonard, one of the best inside linebackers in the league. And we passed up Cortland Sutton and then, and then um, just barely missed out on Mike Kosicki for uh, our next pick as well. There's one player here who stands head and shoulders over everybody else with the exception of Fred Warner. Fred Warner is an exceptionally good linebacker. I believe he, he got moved to the inside. He's an inside linebacker now, but um, one of the best in the league. He's very good. However, Jesse Bates was literally the best Safety in football last year, just one spot ahead of Adrian Amos. We are taking Jesse Bates with our second round pick. It's not a reach. He, um, I mean, he, who cares if it was a reach anyways, but uh, he, he did end up going in the second round uh, pretty close, just nine picks after where we are on the clock. We don't have 
any third round picks here. We traded away pick 76 and we did not trade back into pick 88. So we're on the clock at 401 in the fourth round. And I'm just going to tell you right now, pickings are slim. With 101, we are going to have the option of taking Chris Herndon, tight end for the Jets, Deshaun Hamilton, wide receiver for the Broncos, safety Jordan Whitehead for Tampa Bay, or there's also running back Chase Edmonds, who will be taking one pick after the next time we're on the clock. So those are the guys available to us. Uh, Chris Herndon uh, is kind of up and down. He has been really good. He has been really bad. I think he would definitely be a core special teamer for us. I'd rather have Deshaun Hamilton over him. Jordan White has has played very competent football for Tampa Bay. The problem with taking Jordan Whitehead is we already took uh, Jesse Bates, and we don't have a lot of choices later on in the draft here. Um, and another one of them that we're going to have to end up taking is going to be a safety just because of how few Playable guys are even in this draft. The back of the 2018 draft is just absolutely horrific. And Jordan Whitehead has just not been good enough for me to really justify this. It's going to be either Deshaun Hamilton or Chris Herndon for me. I think I like Chris Herndon's um, special teams uh, options here a little bit better. And he's, he's just like always on the verge of possibly breaking out as one of the better tight ends in the league. And he's been in New York with, with a horrible offensive scheme and surrounded by horrible players. The fact that he's able to shine there at all is, um, worth, you know, noting. So I'm going to go ahead and take him in the fourth round. We got a cornerback, a safety, and now a tight end. We're on the clock again at 133. And we are not going to take Chase Edmonds. We are going to take safety Trey Flowers. This is the Seattle Trey Flowers, not the Detroit Trey Flowers. Although I, I kind of think, I don't remember. Doesn't doesn't matter. Uh, we're next on the clock in the fifth round at 138. <clears throat> and... Uh, we miss out on Chase Edmonds here, but we can take tackle Tyrell Crosby, the, uh, who plays for Detroit. He's not great, but nobody else is great either uh, in the draft here. So uh, we're going to take him. He's fine depth. Maybe he can play um, guard for us, or he can be a backup tackle, which is fine because uh, Brian Velaga tends to miss some time. We're back on the clock at 147. And the next draftable player that is worth taking anywhere at all is punter J.K. Scott, who we took at 172. So we can either move up and take J.K. Scott at 147 here. I, I'm literally, the guys I'm skipping are not good. Most of them, most of them are not in the league anymore. Most of them have hardly played any games. They bounced around to you know, 10 teams already since they got drafted. Uh, these are terrible, terrible players. Literally the next guy who's worth even having on your team, wasting a roster spot on him is JK Scott. I don't need to tell you the Packernet listener, uh, that JK Scott is a lot better than some fans like to say he is. You are well aware of that, but I don't want to move up and take a punter here. I got to move up and take somebody, so I am going to take 
uh, MVS here at 147 instead of 174 where we took him in real life. 172 is our next time around the clock, and we are going to stick with J.K. Scott. Uh, and then 174, which in real life was the pick that we spent on MVS. This one is going to be uh, running back Boston Scott. He was drafted by the Saints, and then he was an Eagle for a while. Uh, the hope here is that he can be a special teams contributor for us. Um, honestly, most of the picks from here on out are going to be just that. Now, we owned pick 186 in the sixth round, uh, but that was traded away in real life, and we are sticking with that. So we're back on the clock again at 207 in the sixth round. And here we are taking the guy that we did take in real life, and that is Equinemius St. Brown. The other guy I considered was cornerback Perry Nickerson, who did spend some time with the Packers, but Equinemius in real life is still with the Packers, and Perry is not, so we are definitely sticking with EQ. Uh, and then we have three seventh round picks. First one is going to be pick 232. In real life, that was James Looney. We are not picking him again. We are moving up and taking Justin Jackson, a running back who has um, played very good football for the Chargers. Um, he's a very, uh, very serviceable running back number two. Um uh, has a lot of talent. I think he could definitely help us out on special teams and ultimately, you know, end up down the road being a member of the offense as well. 239 is still going to be Hunter Bradley. I'm not a fan of him, but there is literally nobody else available that we could possibly take. And we still have another seventh round pick after this, which we're going to spend. Um, so this, this in real life, this was Kendall Donerson. We are taking Auden Tate. He's a wide receiver for the Bengals, um, who actually does play for them some on offense. So uh, he might have a role in Green Bay, certainly on special teams. This was the hard, by far the hardest draft to redo. But we end up with Jair Alexander, Jesse Bates, Chris Herndon, Trey Flowers, Tyrell Crosby, uh, tackle, MVS, J.K. Scott, Boston Scott, Equinemius, Justin Jackson, Hunter Bradley, and Auden Tate. And I have to say, in hindsight, Brian Gutekunst knocked this draft out of the park. Uh, he really did. We missed out on, in real life, we missed out on Trey Flowers and Jesse Bates. Oh, well. Uh, outside of that, I don't think there's um, a single guy that you're heartbroken that we missed out on. In, in the any other team in the league took. Um, so I mean, congrats to him for his first draft as a general manager when he had, you know, mere months to prepare for it and knock it out of the park with Jair Alexander and a few other guys who are still on the team and looking at what we could conceivably have done, knowing everything and knowing what all these players ended up being seeing that uh, Goody got a very similar amount of value out of his draft. Well done. And uh, I think I think we dog Goody too much for uh, his uh, 2018 draft when you look at what he was working with and, and what the later rounds of that draft class ended up looking like. So way over time here. We're over an hour, but uh, oh well, this was a lot of fun. I, I really enjoyed doing this. Hopefully you enjoyed listening to it. 
Uh, definitely gives me a lot of new perspective for the 2018 draft. Uh, this is like the only one out of the four years that you can't go back and like create basically a super team just by <laughs> just by picking all the winners. Um, but uh, any one of these, with the exception of the 2018 draft, I think any one of the first three, uh, you could go back and, and really have a, a franchise changing draft. And then the 2018 draft, I, I think... Gutekunst pretty much hit the peak of what that could have been anyways, minus the fact that we could have gotten Jesse Bates, um, who is one of the best safeties in football. Fortunately, with um, that first round pick that we did pick up out of here uh, for the 2019 season, we did end up getting Darnell. And then in free agency, of course, we got Adrian Amos. I'm going to wrap it up and get out of here. I'll catch you all later. You have a good one. Bye-bye.